Richard, I'll get you to grab a seat, and Andrew Hurd, I invite you up as well. We're going to talk coaching for a little bit just now, um, and there was a little update on, so you can get a taste of what's going on, um, the Valley Presbyterian Church. We're going to talk coaching just for a few minutes, and the reason why we're going to talk coaching and encourage coaching is this. The church planter is usually the kind of guy who is a self-starter, entrepreneurial, knows what he wants to do, knows where he wants to go most of the time. And what can come with that is um, uh, a tendency to just want to get about it. Uh, now, we would say that that is um, unwise that to get yourself a coach, to be humble enough to be able to admit that you need advice, you need help, you need um, coaching along the way. We would say that's a, a very wise thing to do, a really important thing to do. Um, and now yesterday you did see a video between um, Cole Marshall and Chris Eakins, which featured a little bit of that. We're going to talk a little bit more about coaching just now um, because Andrew has been assigned to be Richard's coach and you've been coaching for a little while. Is that right? Yeah, nearly two years. Nearly two years. Yeah. Nearly two years. Um, let me ask you a couple of questions just to start with. Coaching sounds kind of might it, like it might just be this amby-pamby, fluffy sitting around talking about your feelings. Um, is that what happens? Yeah, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. And, you know, I ask him how he's feeling all the time and, and we're gentle and it's easy, yeah. We, it's all good fun. I'm, I'm like, let's get it done. So I turn up with my questions. Am I not on? Try another one. What do we do? Hello? Oh, yeah, we're on. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I like I like to let's get on with it. So um, it's um, okay, Andrew. I got my three questions here. Let's let's go. <laughs> so I then try and stop him and say, "No, we've got to care." And so we do kind of thirty <laughs> seconds of sympathy and empathy, and, and then I move how's on. How's your family? Good, 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 good. good. No, okay. He, he does always ask me how I'm going and, and how's <laughs> and it actually it's, it actually is very important because there are you know you all know that it's it's tough I, I was thinking the two words that stood out to me i was listening to tim grant the other day and i thought courage he's talked about it. i thought yeah courage especially in your first year and the other one is grief um everyone who starts a church usually leaves somewhere else and it's the hidden sleeper and it'll jump up and bite you about six months in um but it's worth knowing about yeah that's good that's good there just just to point out something that's going on here um it's something kind of unusual happening in this coaching relationship, and it's happening in a lot of them. You've got a guy who's an independent coaching a guy who's a Presbyterian. Now, that's a little unusual, isn't it? You've got a guy in New South Wales coaching a guy in Victoria, a guy larger church, smaller church. Um, they're just all really unusual dynamics. How does that play out in the coaching relationship? What, how does a guy who's an independent coach a Presbyterian? How does that work? Dive in and give us a... He's trying to persuade us to have bishops. No, 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 sorry. I'm trying to persuade him to jump and become independent. No, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, not, it's not about um, the particular denominational structure you're in. It's about doing the core of the work, which is gospel work with people. And so whatever platform you're in, you can do that kind of work and grow the gospel. Yeah. I, I love having someone completely outside the system who knows nothing about kind of the local politics or anything like that, just come and kind of say it how it is and, and ask questions innocently or, you know, that are often exactly the right questions to ask and, or saying things that are really helpful that are coming from a, a completely different perspective to what I've been rattling around in my head or with local people I'm talking about. And I find that really enriching. So be, being a guy from Victoria, 
you know, getting advice from a guy from New South Wales, there's always been banter between states. How do you go with that? Well, part of the issue for us is I'm not really Victorian. So I was in Wagga for 14 years, and so I've, I kind of parachuted in. I, That's pretty much Victoria, isn't it? <laughs> no. <laughs> for him, anything south of kind of the harbour is Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> Wagga is on the true cultural divide, you know. South of Wagga, you play AFL. North of Wagga, you play rugby or something like that, yeah. Uh, but... but Coming in from, as an outsider, actually, there's a whole lot of uh, difficulties to just go with that. Just, just being a foreigner, just no networks. You've got to build every network from scratch. Um, that's kind of hard work. Uh, but, yeah, it's been great having Andrew. I should say, too, um, as Richard just said, 14 years in Wagga. Yeah. So this is, a, this is a relationship which isn't quite... I mean, I coach a number of other guys. This, isn't, this is a somewhat different because you're not talking together with someone who's never done ministry before this is their first this is someone who's got a lot of experience in running work in different places he's now just parachuted into a different form of that ministry the church plant form and so you know what work Richard and I talk about are somewhat different things than other contexts I'm involved in that's good so as a plant as a coach you Coaching guys in a number of different situations, you tailor the coaching according to what's going on for the person. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. So that in some settings, it's uh, you know, it's it's Richard bringing his questions, and we just throw them around and think into different contexts and so on. For others, it's actually more proactively uh, what we need together to get you setting up and getting to run and getting organised. So it's quite a different set of things you do in different contexts. Can we dive in and get an example of something recently that, that, Richard, where you've been at a crossroads, you've needed to make a decision, not sure which way to go, and Pump and Andrew with a couple of questions has helped you make a decision? Yeah, at our most recent coaching, um, uh, I, I was trying to think through, we try and match our preaching with our home groups, and uh, do you do the, the home group Bible study before the sermon, or do you do it after the sermon? I was just trying to think through the implications, and I had a few ideas on that but Andrew had a totally different take on it which I found really quite helpful what was the take give us the detail yeah. I can't remember right. <laughs> <laughs> I, was. I work it out as I go or is it kind of we uh, Richard unpacked all the thinking he'd put into it and that stirred my thinking about oh you could think here you could think there and so it was it was kind of a um this is the thing with Richard. Richard's got a lot of experience, so it's kind of bouncing together with him on where do you work through and how do you, what we do in this context, how that might apply in another context. It's a bit of that process. So, so specifically, what we did was um, one of the issues for me is if you do the the uh, the Bible study after the sermon, it's a bit more user friendly in terms of, of an outsider or a non Christian or someone who's a, who's thinking of joining your group. Uh, they can maybe they come to church on the Sunday morning, they've heard the sermon, say, hey, come have dinner with us, come and do the Bible study with us, and we'll talk about what was in the sermon. As Andrew pointed out, that can mean your Bible study is about the sermon, not about the Bible, which I hadn't quite realised. Um, yeah, so I, I found that you know, quite a helpful kind of angle. But, uh, but our, our thinking was we were trying to work out how do we make our group set up in such a way that we, we um, make it easy for new people to come in and join. Yeah. So you're wrestling with a tension there between helping new people, finding it that it's easy for them to join, and what you actually really want to achieve too in the groups, which is people studying the Bible, not just talking about the preacher and what he said. Yeah, so, so sometimes our there. Bible studies have been pretty heavy on exegesis, 
and, uh, and, and people are going, well, that's pretty hard work to kind of come in cold in there. So the other thing Andrew talked about was the fact that they do EV startup, which is kind of a, an introduction before people join a Bible study group. So you don't say, come just join our group. You come and do, was it EV startup, is yeah. what you call it? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't thought about that before, but I think, okay, that's something we might think about for the future, yeah. Good, good. Good, another example? There was something else you mentioned? Oh, yeah, another just one? a simple one. So there are a couple of women in our church said, look, we want to start a netball team. We want to advertise it through the church. And I was thinking, you now we have some goals for our church about, about the Bible and the gospel, and I'm trying to figure out how our netball team fits with that. Um, and how, to what degree do we say, look, we want to encourage community. That's great. That's something we want to do, but is it going to distract us from the main game? And so, again, it was helpful to hear Andrew had worked through some of those issues here at EV and hearing how he'd worked it out. Yeah. Give us a glimpse of how you've worked it out. What kind of advice do you give to all the ideas that come in, all the things people want to do that are fantastic things? Well, well I would just say two things. It's, uh, I think what we want to do with coaching is not just set up a situation where... Uh, you, you have someone that you can find out what they did so you can do it. Do you know, I think we want, to, we want to be careful there. And Richard's not at all in that place. But it's, uh, what you're trying to do, I think, in good coaching is, um, is help people work back into principles and think through the principles and processes that have led to these conclusions in one context and therefore help you think into your context and situation how those principles apply. And so that's, that's the kind of process... I hope we're doing together and that you need as a planter who's immersed in the work. I, I think um, in my experience in those early years, you just, you're so sunk into this massive task and often it can be lonely. And to have someone to keep, you can step out to and get some bigger perspective uh, who keeps reminding you of other issues to hit and deal with, that's the kind of thing that can be helpful and important, I think. Um, Good. So give us the principle that you work on when, you, when you're trying to figure out what to do with the netball. Give us the principle that you helped Richard get his head into there. Give well, with the that particular, um, the, the, the outcome you're trying to achieve is a church of people who see the Great Commission and the great end point of seeing all the nations one for Christ and not being about us and just our community. And so thinking into... You know, if I put in a bulletin that, or some newsletter that such and such netball teams on, uh, it can be it, it can potentially hinder, but lose an opportunity to help your cause. And the way to make it so it helps is either to not promote it, um, and we've wrestled with some of those things in the past, or promote it in such a way that it's missional, to use that dreadful word, but to to promote it in such a way that um, you know. There's a group getting together to try and reach the people who are in netball and they're now forming a team and being part of this new, uh, let's pray for them in their task. And so there's a way to support their getting together but actually preach through even your newsletter what this is all about and to be teaching them what it's about so that everything aligns and drives forward. So I guess in our context that's what we're always trying to find is ways to Ways to make sure that it's not just the pulpit word ministries that say certain things, it's everything that keeps driving towards where you're trying to head. Yeah. So the important thing is to actually not just be telling a guy, here's what we did, do this, and that's not what you want to know, really. You want to get back to the bare principle and work out from there again. Um, yeah, so I thought it was really helpful to say, okay, even the netball team is missional, 
So this is this is actually worthwhile having, but let's let's give it the right angle. Let's make it part of the mission of the church, and not just a, a distractive tack on. We did talk too together about um, uh, modelling as leaders, so, so that uh, you know, God doesn't um, get us to come to Him. He incarnation, you know, incarnate. He comes as a man amongst us to seek and save the lost. Which, as we talk together, the very principle of what we're seeking to engender amongst people is that same: we go to them, we don't get them to keep coming to us. You know, I trust you're all on board with this picture, and so part of what we're seeking to model and encourage each other in is be people who ourselves as leaders even are going out into the sporting groups into the world into the community and not just um, uh, telling others to do it uh, but having it so much part of our DNA that when we hear of this thing coming we can't help but want them to think about it a certain way and so it informs the way we communicate the way we talk the way we act Um, for me church soccer teams are a real anathema and I did share a frustrating and ending up very funny story about what happened with us and a church soccer team but um we, we want we want people to join the local club not get the non-christian to come and join our club uh, but i've got to model that and uh, so we talk about that together yeah. do you model that how do you model that uh, well yeah i've always i've always joined local sporting teams and so when we first came to the central coast um, surf culture surf club was part of my life for most of my history and so when I came up here I joined the local Avoca surf club and was competing with them for some years part of that and then uh, through various circumstances I'm now in a water polo club with all my kids and I'm the rev and so uh, I, I spend most weeks competing in a water polo comp around the place and uh, and that's another way of getting me being part of the non-Christian world, having my children watch me evangelise, um, and uh, and inviting them to various things. Now, Richard also has joined the fire. Yeah, I joined the CFA, the the Country Fire Authority, in um, and and hence we had Rescue Sunday. So I invited all the fire engine guys to come and um, be part of church with us, um, along with some local police. And it was a lot of fun, but it, it, you're meeting with a whole group of guys that you just you've never seen church. Most of them are openly atheists. Some of them are quite sympathetic, but but Sunday morning they're fixing, they're doing maintenance on the fire engines, and that's their church, that's their community, that's their God, if you like, that's their idol. And um, yeah, so it, it gives me a whole new world of people to to work with, and I love it. And I might say in that, and this is we're moving from coaching to me just ranting for a second <laughs> one of the dangers is uh mission can end up being like opal mining where uh if if i invest in a water polo club which i'm in at the moment um the opportunity to actually strike an opal when i'm buried into a water polo club uh is very slight you know, under god's grace the number of people that might come to faith through my time invested there yeah, there might be. We, we've seen a fam, We've seen a couple converted, but not yet established in the in the kind of community of faith. But that's after five, six years of investing. I'm not going to change the central coast by digging one mine. You see, and so what we're perceiving, what we're doing, is not that we're going to reach the region because of our involvement in a sporting club or some community group, but rather that you can't have but a heart to want to try and do that. 
and then model engender everybody doing that, and so we'll find a stream of opals somewhere as everyone's digging their holes, if you know what I mean. Um, but don't imagine the strategy to reach your region is you as the leader being digging that one hole. Uh, you've got to actually do much, much more. That's helpful. That's helpful. And, and look, there's just a little feature of, of how a coaching relationship can work, um, working back to principles, helping you make decisions. And as Richard, he said to me earlier, he said, it's, it's, not, it's not as though there are always these major decisions. There are always little ones, the little decisions, but all the little decisions you make, they all end up heading you in a particular direction towards effective, productive ministry or possibly not. And so that coaching discussion, getting back to principles, just keeps tweaking all those little decisions, which is just incredibly helpful.